History tells the story of the world and of our lives. Sometimes that history goes bump in the night. Broadcasting from the center of oddity and the supernatural in Central Florida, it's the History Goes Bump podcast. spectacular people welcome to this 510th episode of the history ghost bump podcast ghost tours for the theater of the mind i'm your host diane and this is kelly kelly on this episode we're going to be talking about the legend of the grim reaper Ooh, looking forward to it hope he's not knocking at the door because it could be pretty bad if he is <laughs> not ready yet <laughs> before we get into that we want to welcome into the spectacular crew kayla laura Kristen, Helena, Rich, our brother-in-law, Marla, Noel, Carrie with a K and an I, and Amy. Thank you so much for joining the Spooktacular crew. And now this moment, Noddity. During World War II, there was a skirmish on Mount Croce in central Italy. The temperatures were freezing, but the winter line of German Field Marshal Albrecht Kesselring was to be held at all costs. But in November of 1943, U.S. paratroopers forced the Germans off the mountaintop. The Germans brought on an onslaught of weaponry against the American infantry with almost a constant barrage of bullets, mortar, and artillery shells exploding all around them. The American troops held their ground with small firearms. The conditions were terrible, with frozen rations and shallow trenches lined with ice. Many wounded would not make it out alive, and the wounded who could travel had to make it down the steep mountain to medical aid. One such wounded soldier was Sergeant Robert Akers. The man had a flurry of shrapnel hit him in his face. One piece had popped his eye out, which he retrieved and was carrying in his hand. The eye was intact and still attached to its cords. The journey down Mount Croce was precarious at best. Slipping and sliding down the nearly perpendicular incline, traveling where even goats would slip and fall. Akers did in fact make it to the base of the mountain and to medical aid. He was rushed to a field hospital where his eye was popped back into the socket and reattached to the cords. Incredibly, the sergeant would regain 100% of his sight and he returned to active duty before the end of the war. And that? certainly is odd. Hello, this is Victoria from victoriaslift.com. When I'm not taking those who must choose their destiny for a ride on the lift, I'm listening to History Goes Bump podcast. History isn't boring, it's terrifying. The past remains with us, and so do its spirits. Can you hear them calling? They want you to know their stories. Listen now to their voices and the truth from the past. And now, this month in history. Mm-hmm. 
the month of October on the 28th in 1965, the last piece of the Gateway Arch was fitted into place in St. Louis, Missouri. The arch was founded by the National Park Service in 1935 to celebrate Thomas Jefferson's vision of a transcontinental United States. However, it wasn't until 1948 that a nationwide competition took place to determine what the shape of the memorial would be. Then in 1963, construction began on the stainless steel arch. Designed by architect Eero Saranen, the expansive arch stretches from the old courthouse in downtown St. Louis to the riverfront steps of the Mississippi River. 2022 saw 1.6 million tourists visit the Gateway Arch, and a tram ride can take ticket holders for an incredible journey to the top of the arch for an amazing city view, which I've done twice in my lifetime. Crazy woman. I know. (laughs) Me, afraid of heights. Imagine that. The St. Louis Gateway Arch stands as a symbol of the national westward expansion of the United States, as well as an engineering triumph and example of mid-century modern design. There is a pretty standard description of the Grim Reaper. Generally speaking, people envision a cloaked skeleton carrying a Sith. But there is so much more to this figure that has become the personification of death. On this episode, we're going to explore the centuries of mythology around the embodiment of death and explore whether this is an actual entity. And is this someone or something that we should fear? Computer scientist named Randy Posh was dying from pancreatic cancer when he wrote a book entitled The Last Lecture, and in it he said, We don't beat the Grim Reaper by living longer. We beat the Reaper by living well and living fully. For the Reaper will come for all of us. The question is, what we do between the time we are born and the time he shows up. It's too late to do all the things that you're going to kind of get around to. And Kelly, the listeners have probably also heard the sentiment expressed about that dash line that we see on a gravestone between the birth and death dates. It's what you do with the dash that matters. Exactly. I was actually going to say that, but then I realized that you had already written it. (laughs) We're of one mind, so it's not surprising. And then, of course, there's the Blue Oyster Cult. They have their song, Don't Fear the Reaper. And in it, they sing, All our times have come, here but now they're gone. Seasons Don't Fear the Reaper... Nor did the wind, the sun, or the rain. We can be like they are. Death is a complicated thing and something we all face. Perhaps that's why humans have created stories around death and the various figures that legends claim come to us to guide us through. There is some comfort in the notion that after death, we will be accompanied by someone who knows the ropes. The entity that was named the Grim Reaper popped up sometime in the 15th century, but clearly, cultures through the centuries have personified death. Humans seek ways to make the transition from life to death easier. We'll never know what the earliest people thought about death because there was no written form of language, but surely they shared verbal stories. The Greeks were some of the first to write down death mythology. The term psychopump comes from them. 
A psychopomp is a guide whose primary function is to escort souls to the afterlife, but they can also serve as guides through the various transitions of life. The term originates from the Greek words pompos, which means conductor or guide, and psych, which means breath, life, soul, or mind. Every culture has their own version of psychopumps. In many mythologies, death is personified in male form, while in others, death is perceived as female. Since we get psychopomp from the Greeks, let's begin with them. In ancient Greece, death was portrayed several different ways, sometimes as a bearded and winged man and others as a young boy. They gave death the name Thanatos, and he was thought to be cruel and carried a sword. He was the son of Nyx, the goddess of night. Thanatos had a twin named Hypnos, who was the god of sleep. Thanatos guided the dead to the underworld until they reached Charon, who was a boatman that would take them over the river Styx to the underworld. Charon expected payment for the trip, and if he didn't receive it, he would dump the person on the shores of the Styx, where they would wallow for a hundred years. So you better put a quarter or something in your pocket and you die. <laughs> He's cheap then. <laughs> Thanatos had sisters as well who were called the Charis, and they appeared as these females who had fangs and talons, and they always wore bloody garments. Cute chicks. Right up our alley. <laughs> now, this is probably because they feed on the bodies of the dead brought into the underworld, particularly those who died violent deaths. The god Hermes was also given the role of a psychopump. He was not only a messenger, but he was a god of border crossings, and he would also guide the dead to Charon. Next, we have the next-door neighbors, I guess you would say, to Greece, the Romans. The god Mercury is the Roman equivalent of Hermes, so he too is a psychopomp. There is a crater lake in Italy called Lake Avernus, and one of Mercury's duties was to guide souls there because it was thought to be the entrance to the underworld. Roman writers used Avernus and Hades interchangeably. Virgil writes about it in his Aeneid, and Odysseus also ventures to the underworld from here. One of the people Mercury guided to the underworld was a beautiful nymph called Larunda. He fell in love with her and sired two children with her along the way. So clearly, this was a bit of a long trip. <laughs> I'm assuming because I don't know if she had twins or two separate children or how that worked out. But next we have the Etruscans. <laughs> okay. The Etruscans were from ancient Italy and had a significant influence on the Romans, who eventually defeated the Etruscans at the end of the 3rd century BC. Their death figure was named Charon, I think would be how you'd say that. It's almost like Karen, only it's a U instead of an O at the end, and was known as the Demon of Death. Charon would come upon a person who was set to die and beat them over the head with a hammer until they died. Oh my goodness. He then would be joined by the goddess of the underworld, Vanth, and they would take the soul to the underworld. There, Karen would administer punishment to those who were evil in life. Again, with more beatings. The beatings shall continue until morale improves. So as you can see as we're going along here, Kelly, some of these psychopumps or precursors to the Grim Reaper were guides, and some actually brought death with them. Next, we have the Celtic beliefs about the Grim Reaper. The Celts had a creepy form of the Reaper in the Breton region, and they called it Anku. Anku appeared as a tall, haggard figure with long white hair. It wore a white hat and drove a cart with a creaking axle that was piled high with corpses. Anku generally appeared in the form of a skeleton, and its head swiveled so it could see everyone everywhere. 
If Anku and his cart stopped outside of a house, it meant instant death for someone inside. The Irish had a creature known as Dullahan that tucked its head under its arm. This creepy creature had large eyes and a broad smile that reached to the ears. Like a Glasgow smile. Ew. Yeah. <laughs> See, that's just creepy. It's like broad smiles get me every time. They're just creepy. <laughs> Kelly, stop smiling at me like that. <laughs> <laughs> The Dullahan would ride a black horse or a carriage pulled by a black horse, making stops at houses and calling out the name of the person who was going to die. This is when you hope you have a name that nobody can pronounce. <laughs> you can't say it. I can't die. <laughs> the person would die the moment the name hit the air. Now, don't go looking for the Dullahan because it doesn't like to be watched and will use a whip made from a spine to lash out your eyes. That would hurt a little bit. And I wonder whose spine it is. Somebody's walking around <laughs> spineless. That's why they call people spineless of, sometimes. They'd be a puddle of goo. That's right. Or it could throw a basin full of blood at you, and that means you're the next to die. The Irish also have the Banshee, which is a female spirit who serves as an omen of death by wailing outside the home of someone who's going to die. If you hear the wailing, it means she's coming for you shortly. References to the Banshee began in the 14th century, slightly before the Grim Reaper showed up in mythology. She usually wears a black cloak. The Scottish had a dog as their psychopomp. They called it Cushith, and it could be black, white, or dark green in color. This dog would take dying souls to the afterlife. The Scottish also have Benier, which is an ugly entity with one nostril, one big protruding tooth, and webbed feet. She usually wears a green dress and is found near deserted streams, where she toils away at removing the blood from the clothes of people who are going to die. This is basically described as the Scottish banshee rather than the Irish one. Gotcha. And next on to Poland. The Polish have a figure that's similar to the Grim Reaper. They call it Smirch. This figure is actually a woman, though, who is skeletal and rather than wearing a black robe, she wears a white one. So you don't want to see this woman in white at all. <laughs> Next, we have Scandinavia. Norse mythology's goddess of death was Hel, spelled H-E-L. And she ruled over Hel, where she received a portion of the dead. The Norse also had Pesta, who was known as the plague hag. And she was depicted as an old woman who wore a black hood and carried either a rake or a broom. People wanted to see her carrying a rake because that meant some people would survive the plague. But if she brought a broom, everybody was going to die. There were also the Valkyries who were flying females who chose which soldiers would live or die in battle. Men chosen to die would be carried by the Valkyries to Valhalla, where they'd await the epic battle of Ragnarok. And now on to Hindu. The Hindu word for death is Miritu, and the lord of death in Hindu is called Yama or Yamaraja. Yamaraja is depicted riding a black buffalo and he carries a rope lasso to capture souls so that he can bring them to Naraka or Yamaloka, the place of the dead or hell. Yama is also the king of Dharma or justice, so punishment is dished out in hell by him. And the decision where a soul will reside in the next life due to reincarnation is also decided by Yama. An entity named Chitra Gupta keeps track of a soul's good and bad deeds. And now a little break for a word about one of our sponsors. This Valentine's Day, Dunkin's got the perfect pairings to show your love. So get down on one knee with a dozen brownie batter donuts and a cocoa mocha signature latte. 
or make them swoon with a strawberry dragon fruit Dunkin' refresher with a Cupid's Choice Donut. Are you ready for love? America runs on Dunkin'. Price and participation may vary. Limited time offer. Now on to East Asia. The Chinese have Yanlu as their god of death, and he is the ruler of Diyu, which is the underworld. Yanlu derives from the Hindu Yama, and Yama actually spread into all Asian countries. The Chinese version wears a Chinese judge's cap and traditional Chinese robes. Korean mythology has another world emissary who works for the great king Yamna. This is a stern figure who escorts all people, whether they are good or evil, to the netherworld. Japanese mythology has the goddess Izanami as the goddess of death. She didn't start out this way. She died while giving birth to the fire god, Hinokagu Suchi, and goes to the perpetual night realm called Yami no Kuni, which is the underworld. Her husband attempts to rescue her, and they have this big argument, which leaves Izanami promising that she will take a thousand lives every day. This, of course, makes her the goddess of death then. The Japanese also have death gods called Shinigami, which are similar to the Grim Reaper. They are called monsters and creatures of darkness. Buddhists refer to one of the Shinigami as Mara, which is a demonic entity responsible for suicide ideation. Shinigami can also be Oni, which are demons that are ox-headed or horse-faced. Buddhism also has Jizo, who greets people after they die and guides them into the afterlife. Jizo especially looks after children since they are too young to understand the teachings of the Buddha, and this could mean they would become stuck on the banks of the River Sai. And now on to Latin America. So when it comes to Latin America, let's start all the way back with the Aztecs. The Aztec underworld was called Miklan, and the god of lightning and death was named Xolotl. He appears as a man with a dog's head, but also sometimes as just a skeleton. He carries the dead to the underworld with his most famous transportee being the sun, which he protected when it ventured into the underworld at night. The Aztecs also had Mictica Sawadl as queen of Miklan, and Miklantakutli as king of Miklan. And they watched over the bones of the dead and presided over ancient festivals of the dead. The queen had a defleshed body and her jaw was agape so she could swallow the stars during the day. In South American countries like Argentina, Paraguay, and Brazil, there is San La Muerte, which appears as a skeletal figure holding a sif. Mexico has the similar figure of La Santa Muerte, which is a feminine skeletal folk saint. Both of these figures have been blended into a type of folk Catholicism. Mexico also has La Calavera Catrina, which means the skull of Catrina. She is a representation of death that is supposed to be less threatening than the Reaper, so she wears bright colors and usually is seen smiling and dancing. Next we have Australia. The original people of Australia had Barnumbir, also known as Bunumber, or Morning Star. In the Yolngu culture, she was a creator spirit who brought humans to Australia, but she also had a strong association with death. She showed the way across the waters to the distant island of the dead dolphins, who were also thought of as psychopomps, guiding the dead to the underworld. And next we have Egypt. The Egyptian underworld is Duat, and the jackal-headed god Anubis guided the dead there, specifically dead kings. Anubis was the son of Osiris and Nephthys, and he would place the hearts of kings on the scales of judgment before his father Osiris. 
A feather would be placed on the other side of the scale. The result would decide whether the king could enter the underworld. Amet was a demon who would devour the heart if the king was found lacking. Next we have Canaan. The Canaanites of the ancient Near East had a god of death named Mot. They believed that Mot was one of the sons of El, who was the creator god and above all gods. He was the favorite son of the god El and the most prominent enemy of the god Baal, a god of springs, sky, and fertility. Mot was the god of sterility and the master of all barren places. Traditionally, Mot and Baal were perpetually engaged in a seasonal struggle in which Baal, like many similar harvest deities, was annually vanquished and slain. Mot, however, was also annually killed by Baal's sister, Anath, who thus aided Baal's resurrection. And now on to Azrael. Azrael is the angel of death in Islam, Judaism, and Christianity. While he plays a role in the latter two, Islam gives Azrael a significant place as a psychopump. He guides each and every soul directly to Allah. His appearance depends on the person's life. If they were good, they would see a beautiful being. But if they were evil, they would see a horrific monster. In Talmudic lore, the angel of the abyss is named Abaddon, which literally means the destroyer. There is also an archangel named Samael, who is said to be both good and bad, but he works as a seducer and accuser and is nicknamed the Venom of God and is the executioner of death sentences decreed by God. So that doesn't sound very good to me. Yeah, no. Some traditions have the archangel Michael as a good angel of death. The Bible also uses the term memetim, which means destroyer to identify destroying angels. And then, Kelly, we all have probably heard about the four horsemen of the apocalypse, and one of them is death. The four horsemen of the apocalypse show up in the Bible in Revelation 6, and the fourth is the one representing death. Verses 7 and 8 read, When he opened the fourth seal, I heard the voice of a fourth living creature say, Come! And I looked, and behold, a pale horse. And its rider's name was Death, and Hades followed him. And they were given authority over a fourth of the earth, to kill with sword and with famine, and with pestilence, and by wild beasts of the earth. The pale horse could signify illness, but we've also heard that the word has been mistranslated and actually means green. There is a crossover here with Greek mythology in that it is believed that this is Thanatos. Weapons carried by Thanatos include the sword, hunger, death, and beasts. Or it could be another entity entirely, since this one seems to be more of a figure bringing death rather than just guiding the dead. And this brings us to the star of this episode, the Grim Reaper. This figure usually appears skeletal and shrouded in a dark hooded robe with a Sith to help him reap human souls. The name fits perfectly as the term grim describes someone who's ghastly and sinister in appearance, and a character who has a stern disposition. And reaping is gathering together. There's a lot of symbolism around the depiction of the grim reaper. The skeletal figure represents the decay of the body and what is left when the flesh is gone. Many people not only feared death, but the obliteration it brought. The skeleton is that obliteration. The black cloak that is worn not only represents the clergy who officiated wakes, but black was long associated with death and mourning. The cloak gives the reaper an air of mystery and menace, too. The Sith wasn't what the Grim Reaper originally carried. He first held arrows, darts, spears, or crossbows, and these were used to cut down his victims. The weapons were traded in for the Sith, which was a farmer's tool for cutting down and gathering grain, and this better depicted the job of the Grim Reaper. 
The Sith fit better with an agrarian society who were focused more on the harvest rather than war. Many times an hourglass is depicted with the reaper, and this symbolized the days of humans are numbered. When the sand runs out, our time is up. The Grim Reaper showed up during the Black Death in the 14th century. One-third of Europe's entire population perished during the plague, so death was at the forefront of people's minds. Artists struggled for a way to depict all the death around them. The Grim Reaper fit the bill, and the entity started showing up in sculptures and paintings, usually looking as though it were waiting in the wings to take people away. The naked skeleton eventually hid away in the black cloak in artistic renderings. Artwork shows the Reaper to be both a travel companion to the afterlife and the bringer of death, which is sometimes depicted as a skeletal finger reaching out to kill a person with a single touch. Lore that went along with the Reaper claimed that if a person could provide a good enough reason to be allowed to live, the Reaper would leave them be. Other stories claimed that the Reaper could be tricked and a person could live longer. And this brings us to stories of people encountering the Grim Reaper and living to tell about it. Because, of course, you know how my mind goes, Kelly. Is there a real entity behind some of these things that people are talking about? Did all these cultures just make up something? Or did they actually see something and this is what they called it? And it's actually the same entity for all these different cultures. They just each have their own name and their language. Right. There's so many similarities across the board. I think... Most people know where I fall on this stuff. When it comes to ghosts, I'm a little skeptical. When it comes to this stuff, I'm like, oh, yeah, there's really an entity. There's something that people really saw and they named it this and it really did these things. There are many stories set in hospitals, which makes sense because so many people die there. Nurses have reported seeing what they described as a figure in a long cloak. One nurse reported in 1997, I was running down the hall to my patient's room so I could relieve the nurse in charge. I ran past this room across from the central floor nurse's station and had run past five rooms before it registered what I saw. I did not believe it. I went back down the hall and stopped at the room. I glanced into it. On the bed was a little gray-haired lady dressed in lace, propped up with pillows. Beside the bed stood this tall figure dressed in a monk's robe with its head covered. It looked up at me when I appeared in the door. His face was a skull with tiny red fires for eyes. His hands, skeletal, were patiently folded over each other inside the dark sleeves. My impression was he was just patiently waiting. Oh my goodness. And I wish I'd heard the rest of that story because I would have been peeing my pants and running out of the hospital. (laughs) A man named Ralph claimed to have had an encounter with the Grim Reaper after having a heart attack and being admitted to the hospital. He was lying in bed and had a sudden chill come over him that felt below freezing. Then, a figure appeared at the foot of his hospital bed. Ralph described it as being a dark, gray, cloaked stranger with no face. When asked how he knew it was the Grim Reaper, Ralph replied, I don't know. I just knew. The other thing I knew was I wasn't bad enough or sick enough to go with him. Username It's About People wrote on Reddit in 2021, Last night, I was having a bad night, tossing and turning. I woke up fully able to move, so I'm guessing no sleep paralysis, and looked around the room. The light in the hallway was on, and I looked at the doorway. I saw what I can only describe as the Grim Reaper looking at me. He had a gold Sith, and what is strange, a gold-yellow skull or face. It was blurry, but I would say more that it was his skull. He was in his dark black robe. I looked around a bit scared, but he didn't come towards me. 
After a minute or so, he disappeared. It took me an entire day to get over this feeling. I don't think he was evil or there to take me. So you got to wonder, what was he doing there then? He took a wrong turn at the hallway and he was supposed to go into a different room. (laughs) I guess. Rosie wrote in 2019, I knew in September of 2016 that my mother was close to death. She was 85 years old and had been chronically ill for over 30 years. The last 15 years of her life, she lived with my husband and I. It was about a month away from her 86th birthday and I came home from work one day and the whole atmosphere of my home felt different. The house felt gloomy, depressing and sad. I didn't figure out exactly what it was that had changed until my husband said that he caught glimpses of a dark hooded figure going into my mother's room. Did you go in and see who it was? I mean, (laughs) I saw this dude in a robe walking in and out, but I knew instantly that death had come for my mother. I would find a quiet place in the house and address it verbally. I'd say things like, I know you're here and I know why you're here. If you've come for my mother, all I ask is that you take her as quickly and painlessly as possible. If you could take her in her sleep, that would be even better because I don't want her to be afraid. Over the holidays, we made several trips to the emergency room and a couple of weeks of hospital stays. When they released her from the hospital the last week of January 2017, they told me they were going to send her home on hospice care. Every day she was home after that, I'd hug her. I'd sing to her and took extra special care to let her know how much I loved her. At 11.53 p.m. on February 7, 2017, my mother drew her last breath. She'd been sedated, so she would sleep through the night, but around 11.30, the night nurse woke me up to let me know she was breathing her last. If she had passed seven minutes later, she would have died on my 56th birthday. Oh my goodness. At the moment she passed, I felt death leave my home. My husband had seen it, and I'd felt it. When she passed, the heavy, depressing, sad feeling seemed instantly lifted. So apparently death can hang out for a long time if it wants to. Do you have to, you know, offer it coffee every morning or? Oh, my goodness. The Oreo wrote in 2014, I am psychic. I see people on the other side. I have lived past lives. I remember them all, especially the years leading up to my death or how I died. So here I am. I have had a lot of crazy things happen to me lately. Has anyone ever seen the Grim Reaper before? Because I have on multiple occasions before someone dies. The first time it happened was years ago, just before my cousin died. I saw the Grim Reaper standing in my grandparents' bedroom. He woke me up during the night, and there he stood, a dark cloaked figure in the corner of the room. He held what I believed was a Sith in his hand, and since I was young, I buried under the sheets to hide. I swore the room temperature dropped, and then after a few minutes of rocking under the sheets, I looked up to see the Grim Reaper to be gone. It repeated over the years in several episodes where he would come see me, and someone would die. One such episode happened in September of this year when I was at this play. I felt the chills and I looked to my right to see the Grim Reaper standing over a man. I was at the end of the aisle and this man was sitting in the aisle across from me. The man went into a seizure and the Grim Reaper looked up at me and brought his finger to his lips or face as if it was saying, hush. People around me began screaming and rushing to help the man who had gone into a seizure. I was frozen stiff because I was horrified. I couldn't believe what I was seeing. Anyways, the man was unconscious from what I believe after his seizure. But after the man's spasms stopped, the Grim Reaper, or whatever the hell he was, vanished, and paramedics took the man away. Now I feel like the progression has gotten worse. I can now sense death when it's close for someone. I have predicted before, and both had happened in this past year. I don't think I'd want to be a psychic who had that ability at all. 
Is the Grim Reaper just an escort who takes the departed from this world to the next, or does this figure bring death? Are these legends and myths merely a way that people have tried to comfort themselves when it comes to death? Or could some of these entities be real? We guess none of us will really know for sure what will greet us on the other side. The answer to that question is for you to decide. Lots of interesting myths around this entity. Had a lot of fun checking that out. Hope you guys enjoyed that. We'd love to have you check out our website at historyghostbump.com. And if you'd like to send us some feedback, you can do that at historyghostbump at gmail.com. We got a comment over on the blog from Jared, who likes to listen on Google Podcasts, but they don't leave an option to leave reviews. We'd love for you guys to leave us reviews wherever you listen. They definitely help us get visibility and we don't get very many. So if you could take the time to do that, if you have a place and Spotify, as we've said before, has an ability for you to comment underneath each of the episodes that you listen to. He just wanted to let us know that he has been starting from the very beginning and working his way through. He's up to 131 and is looking forward to getting to know us better. So thank you for your comments, Jared. Yes, thank you. I want to thank you guys for listening to this episode. I've been your host, Diane. And this has been Kelly. You take care now. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. This episode isn't brought to you by our executive producers. Make more the happy boy and share the podcast. We beat the river. River? River. It's we, the Grim River. He's the Grim River. He's coming to take your ribs. <laughs> I'm coming to take your ribs away. Ha ha. Hee hee. Ho ho. Hee hee. I'm taking you to the funny farm. <laughs> <laughs> Which is a denomic. <laughs> denomic. Hey, it sounds a little bit better than demonic. At least you got the right letters in there. Which is a denomic. Oh my God. <laughs> I mean, if you really want to say it that way, Kelly, you can. We'll just get, you know, five emails. You said it wrong. (laughs) Probably more than that.